Also, the monkey gets flattened by a giant chunk of stone, and I was so happy. Like, Inferno, I was really sad for the cats, but fuck that monkey, seriously. everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm taking a look at the third film in the Suspiria slash Three Mothers trilogy uh, called Mother of Tears by Dario Argento again and uh, this one came out quite a long time after the the first two. Um, I think Inferno which was the last one that I did uh, that came out in 1980 and this one didn't come out until 2007 so quite a long break and, and quite a lot of changes in what horror films were like uh, so I was really interested to see what this one would be like if it would just stick to the same style as the first two but uh, obviously have a more modern setting or if it was going to be more like a, con a contemporary horror film because Suspiria and Inferno were very much like arty kind of 1980s type films and, and this one obviously came out a lot later. Um, broadly speaking it is sort of more contemporary in feel which I enjoyed but which apparently a lot of people did not and uh, plot wise we'll get into it there's some strong pluses and some strong minuses so uh, we'll discuss. Now the film stars Asia Argento who is the daughter of the, the writer and director so there you go and also stars Adam James who is an actor I have heard of and seen in other things. I felt like I'd seen Asia Argento in something else but could not remember what that was. Adam James has been in quite a few episodes of different British television programs including Doctor Who, Ashes to Ashes, a Bone Kickers Casualty, a lot of other things Um, so he, he was quite familiar to me when I saw him in this and it was quite nice to see just someone who I recognised uh, in one of these films so um, that cheered me up no end. This one include trigger warnings going into this that the film does contain graphic violence and normally when something says it contains graphic violence I'm like oh yeah sure uh, and it will be a little bit gross but I mean I, I don't really care. Um, no this was really graphic so if you usually disregard warnings of graphic violence please consider what I'm about to say. It also contains scenes which are similar to uh, an incredibly violent and graphic um, sexual assault, uh, also infanticide and cannibalism. So that's a lot. Uh, and we'll get into the plot of the movie, which will, as usual, be pretty spoiler heavy. So bear with. So going into this, I had three questions that I wanted to see if they got answered by the movie, which was, do we find out what the witches actually wanted? Like, what was the point in these three films? What were they trying to achieve? Were they actually witches? Because in Inferno they weren't actually referred to as witches, they were just called the mothers. And did the three mothers have an overarching plan? Were they in communication with each other? Were they all working together to a common goal? Largely these questions remain unanswered by the plot I'm about to describe. So um, that was slightly disappointing, but we'll get into the specifics of those answers as we go through. So the film begins in Viterbo Cemetery which is apparently in Italy, uh, and uh, some building work is going on when a small one-man digger falls into a hole, like, front forwards, and the man falls out of the digger and further into the hole, like, you can't see him anymore, and then this little voice goes, hey, I found something! The something he finds is a coffin-sized box, which is later revealed to be a coffin, with a sort of shoebox-sized box, on top of it and they're, they're both chained together but the small box they refer to throughout the movie as being an urn and I thought an urn was like a pottery jar so that really confused me uh, but I guess maybe it can also be a box who knows 
I will be referring to it as a box, so whatever. Um, they also find that there is a name um, sort of carved into the coffin box, and it is Oscar de la Vallée uh, from 1815, uh, was the date on the casket. A guy then decides to take a picture of the Monsignor of the church with this recent discovery, and as he like clicks the camera, a demonic face appears on the shutter of the camera like superimposed and it looks super crappy and uh, I was not filled with enthusiasm about the film but that was not as it turns out indicative of the quality of the effects which are actually quite good. Now the Monsignor writes to a guy called Michael he says he's sending him the urn which he's sealed with a lot of white candle wax which seems like a weird precaution but okay you do you uh, and then he says he's sending it to him because he's an expert in magical and esoteric science so then we cut to um this other character sarah who is played by asia argento as i said she's working in the museum a lady comes to get her who turns out to be her boss and called giselle michael is actually out at the moment uh, but the box has arrived so they decide to both take a look at it and to open it and uh, they cut all the wax off and inside is a dagger three small weird stone statues that kind of look like they're of cthulhu-esque monsters uh with like carvings of words on them in some strange language and a sort of red tunic top type thing with embroidery on it that one of them i think it's giselle calls a talisman to which i would reply no that's a shirt but there we go then uh, sarah goes off to do something else and giselle sort of stays there for a minute in the in the darkened room and then reads the inscriptions off the statues which is stupid and you should never do this um and then three sort of demonic forms appear who seem to be similar to the statues and uh, a weird earthquake seems to happen my response to this was why is there a monkey here because there is a monkey it's just sort of sitting on a table screaming and she doesn't seem surprised to see it which made me think that it the, the monkey was just there for another reason but was freaked out by the earthquake but apparently that the, the monkey appeared with the demons uh, it just wasn't that clear in the watching of it that uh, the monkey was a bad guy as we will soon discover three demon things surround giselle and sort of screw this sort of metal pipe thing that looks like basically a giant screw into her mouth which like breaks her jaw and shatters some of her teeth uh, and then then cut her stomach open and strangle her with her own innards which is all basically practical effects with i guess some cgi over the top but it, it looks incredibly real and is disgusting and it's probably the least grisly thing that happens in the movie so that gives you an idea of what you're in for. Uh, Sarah then comes back from wherever it is she's been, peers around the door and sees this happening. And so she quickly sneaks away. And in a move that is like the most intelligent thing I've ever seen a person in a horror film do, she takes off her high heeled shoes so that she can like haul ass away from there barefoot without sounding like a bag of castanets. Um, she then hides behind a curtain, but the monkey goes looking for her and seems to like discover her position and starts like screaming for the demons uh, we also see that a, a woman in a cloak has arrived at the site of the disembowelment so i guess that's the mother of tears sarah leaves her hiding place and struggles to get a door open but it is locked but then a voice uh, in her head says go now and the formerly locked door opens uh, so she runs away gets all the way outside the building and then very sensibly calls the police unfortunately when the police show up they're not really in the mood to believe that three demons and a monkey killed her boss so um 
that talk goes about as well as you'd expect. Uh, there's two police guys, one of whom I'll refer to as main police guy. He seems to be the most sympathetic. Uh, he kind of thinks that maybe something is going on because something strange seems to have occurred. But everyone else seems to basically think that she's crazy or an idiot. They also reveal that the contents of the urn, which had yet to be catalogued, have gone so they've been i guess taken by the demons and or the mother of tears michael then arrives and sarah asks if she can stay at his house that night which if you've seen suspiria and inferno is basically the kiss of death anytime someone goes to stay at a friend's house because they're frightened both of them die a horrible death uh, but that does not happen uh, this could be because they're already in a relationship which is revealed later but uh I don't know, I was expecting one or both of them to die at this point, and they didn't. Uh, she goes to his house, and they sort of talk to each other. She mentions that the door opened by itself. It's revealed he has a young son, looks about like, I guess three, I don't know, kids' ages. But the son's called Paul. Uh, we won't be seeing him other than in this scene, so I didn't get a great look at Paul, but I assume he was a boy. Um, Michael then discusses that the missing talismans and what they could be symbolic of and he says that they need to go and talk to the Monsignor because he also has knowledge of the occult which confused me because the Monsignor sent this stuff to him because he said Michael had knowledge of the occult so neither of them seems to want to toot their own horn on the knowledge front but um, both of them seem to know a lot about it. Uh, while they're discussing the occult uh, Sarah then says that she isn't really a believer in it so I can assure you she will be by the end of the movie because that's how that works. Uh, we then get a cut to a weird kind of cave there's a lot of chanting and the the red dress is being waved over the hands of a, a large group of people who are kind of waving their hands under it. It then gets put on by a naked lady it's basically like t-shirt length so like her whole ass is hanging out so like Imagine a big scary witch, but she's kind of looking a little bit like Winnie the Pooh, which was disturbing. Uh, she then chants something in a language that I did not understand, but it included the word Roma. So I'm guessing it was about Rome uh, and that maybe she was either summoning witches to Rome or doing a spell over Rome. Um, because that seems to be what happens in, in the few quick scenes that we see after this. Because we see a lot of acts of random violence, um, two guys smashing a car with a pipe, uh, a man being stabbed, uh, two guys strangling each other in the street, and most disturbingly, a lady carrying a baby, and, and she like is just smiling at it and like happy, and then she just lifts it over the edge of this bridge that she's on and throws it into the water. Uh, so it seems like everyone is collectively going mad, uh, and... That the witches are somehow responsible for this. Uh, after spending the night in bed with Sarah, Michael then goes to the dig site church to inquire after the Monsignor. The Monsignor has unfortunately been hospitalised following a stroke which happened like the day after they unearthed the box. Uh, but another guy at the church tells him about the legend of Oscar, who, which was the uh, name on the coffin. And it, apparently in 1814, the urn or box was discovered uh, which included a, a pagan dress and uh, then a bunch of wolves came out of the forest and started digging up bodies and eating them in the churchyard so the village people quickly discovering that you know this box was a big lump of bad news decided to send it to the vatican for i guess the pope's x-file collection and oscar was the only guy who, who volunteered to take the box on this long and perilous journey. Unfortunately, wherever he went, misery and disaster followed him, plagues, um, people dying all the time. It was a mess. And uh, then he was taken ill and taken in by the church uh, 
at the beginning that we saw. And he died there and was buried with the box. Uh, but until now, his location had remained a mystery. I really liked this as it happens. This was a, a pretty good bit of lore, uh, a nice little bit of, of storytelling uh, as to why this box had come to be there. And that was quite cool. When Michael goes back to his car, there are two weird women watching him, one of whom looks vaguely confused, and one of them looks like she is a couple of biscuits short of a packet. Um, she, she's doing a really great unhinged look, and I don't know if the other actress just didn't get the same direction, but it's kind of weird. There's like a mismatch between the two of them, which was a little bit weird. Uh, Sarah, who has apparently gone home to her own apartment, goes through a box of photos, which seem to be of her mother and her parents in general, but most of them are of her mother. Um, meanwhile, outside, the streets become a lot more violent. Sarah then goes to Michael's house, but it seems like no one's there. So she sort of walks through the rooms, like, calling for him and eventually arrives at what I guess is Paul's room, where a message in, I guess, Latin has been written in blood on the bed. And Michael is sitting on the bed, uh, distraught because his son has been kidnapped while the babysitter went out for a couple of seconds. So I'd be pissed at her, but... The kid's been kidnapped. Uh, the message in Latin apparently says, if you want to see your son again, keep the silentium, which was a, a weird way to say keep quiet, but it becomes relevant later. Uh, Michael then claims that black magic is at work. It's the witches who's done this. And Sarah is disbelieving. So the two have a fight. And uh, he says that he's going to another priest who's an exorcist and who may be able to help him find a way to get his son back from the witches. He also says that he doesn't want to contact the police and then he storms out to go about his investigation on his own. Now, at this point, I checked the timer because I was fairly certain that I hadn't been watching for that long. And this felt like a lot of stuff to happen. But this was around the half hour mark. So for once, I was actually watching a film where less time than had actually passed felt like it was going by as opposed to sitting there for about 20 minutes and feeling like it had been four hours. So that was pleasant and novel. We also see a bunch of witches arriving at an airport. Um, these are basically like imagine a bunch of slightly 1980s looking goth women who are going to a Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange themed hen party and are already a little bit drunk because they're just sort of like walking through the airport knocking into people and swearing at them and all kind of scream laughing at everything. Um, it was a little bit of a weird choice, I'm not going to lie, and they are all wearing a lot of very eccentrically applied eyeliner. Sarah goes and does a little bit of research. Uh, she keeps turning up the number three in mythology, like the three-headed dog Cerberus, the three Furies, the three Fates, uh, various three-headed deities, and wonders aloud why it's always three. Um, this never gets answered and seems like kind of a waste of time, other than just showing that she's maybe giving some consideration to the supernatural here. Michael then phones her, uh, but he stops mid-sentence because he notices the same two women from before watching him. And he just says, help me, and then hangs up. Following from this phone call, Sarah decides to set off to, I guess, follow Michael. Um, so she goes to a train station, but she's being tailed by the police and then also bumps into a bunch of witches at the train station, which leads her to having to try and avoid both the witches and the police as she tries to find uh, a way to get to Michael. She gets cornered in a bookshop, which I guess is in the train station, and the same voice as before tells her to concentrate and that then they won't see her. This is probably my favourite part of the film, because she's like in a corner by some bookshelves, concentrating really hard. She doesn't disappear, there's like no special effect, 
But when the policeman comes in, there's just a shot of him going to that empty corner, reaching to like where she is and like moving some books on the shelf as if he's interested in them and then leaving. And then as he moves away, she's standing there. So it's really simply done, but it's really effective. And then he comes back and his face is like super close to hers, but there is just no recognition on his face that there is someone in front of him. It's really well acted and I really enjoyed that bit. It's pretty effective. Once he's gone, it kind of looks like Sarah's a bit drained from, I guess, using her magic powers, which she has. Um, so she then leaves the shop and goes to catch a train. Um, she tries to phone Michael, but only gets his answer machine and says that she's on her way. Uh, another policeman or just a random guy. Uh, I was unclear because the police don't really react as if he is one of theirs later on but I assumed he was a policeman he gets onto the train along with one of the witches uh the witch then kills the cop and searches the train for Sarah uh, but Sarah manages to um get around this by hiding in a toilet turning herself invisible and then when the witch sticks her head in she kills her with a sliding door which is again quite gory uh, but she then gets off the train and boards a coach while the police get onto the train, investigate the two bodies, and the main police guy expresses kind of doubt that this skinny woman could have killed two people uh, without the help of some sort of magic force, I guess. Um, although she definitely did just kill that woman with a door, so I don't know what his point is. Sarah arrives at the church where the exorcist is apparently in residence. She sees two nuns kind of remonstrating with this screaming woman, which sort of implies that things aren't quite right. The door is answered by a lady holding a baby who says that she actually can't see Father Johannes right now but eventually Sarah is allowed inside. In his office she meets a lady called Marta who drops a lot of exposition. Uh, for a starter she says that Sarah looks like Elisa uh, which is her mother who was a spiritualist and a, a teacher in Germany uh, to which Sarah angrily says that her mother was a dancer, so it's pretty obviously we're talking about the dance school uh, from Suspiria in Freiburg in the first film. Marta then calls Sarah's mother a white witch uh, and says that the voice coaching her in her head is her mother trying to teach her how to use her powers. Sarah then says that both her parents died in a car crash in Freiburg, but Marta corrects her and says that they were murdered. Um, she also mentions Mother Suspiriorum, and says that Sarah's mother challenged her and wounded her quite badly, which is later revealed to be, I guess, events before Suspirium, which led to the directress being in such a burnt and kind of crippled state from that encounter. We see Father Johannes. He seems very ill, but he's in mood to drop some more exposition. Uh, this film is pretty exposition heavy. Um, he tells a story about three sisters who created witchcraft, and they were obviously the three mothers. He then kind of recaps, broadly speaking, the events of the first two films, that two mothers are dead because of a girl called Susie killing Mother Suspiriorum. He doesn't really go into the events of Inferno. Um, I guess we're all kind of pretending that film largely didn't happen, which is okay by me. He then says that the Mother of Tears is calling witches to Rome as the urn has now been uncovered in order to usher in the second age of witches. Uh, and he shows her outside a crowd of people who will all need exorcisms because the world is going mad. Now, all of this kind of ties into the lore of the previous two films, but it also gives 
kind of a reason for the witches to be there that they are the three mothers who invented witchcraft and their goal is to usher in like a second age where witches are in power is that a very complicated motive no do we know what that second age would look like not really but at least it's something whereas in the first two films it was sort of like the witches are here because they're evil and then their house falls down and kills them so movie over so uh, i was kind of happy that at least in this one we were trying to get a little bit of motivation and backstory there it is unfortunate that none of that really comes to anything and that from this moment on we kind of don't really see a huge amount of characterization of the witches themselves so um it was nice while it lasted then there's another great scene um father johannes goes to try and find a book uh, to give to sarah to explain i guess more of the history i'm guessing this is a copy of the three mothers but he can't find it and when he turns around and uh, goes looking for the lady who let her in to be like yo bitch where's my book she kind of comes up from behind a table covered in blood and it's revealed that she has killed and partially eaten her baby and you do see uh, quite a lingering shot of that like partially eaten kid uh which is again quite gross and quite grisly uh but it's just so creepy that i just thought it was really well done sarah and marta then stumble upon father johannes being murdered by this woman and they dutifully run away pursued by a swarm of the gathered crazy people who all need exorcisms they manage to get into a car and drive away Malta gives Sarah her number and Sarah makes the rather questionable decision to return to her own flat which um I feel like if dark forces are looking for you they will check your home uh, but Marta says that she can call her anytime and encourages her to come and stay with her I will note at this point that I don't trust Marta um she seems like she can't be trusted Sarah then goes home and we see a kind of short shot of witches apparently eating Paul. Um, I definitely knew they were eating a kid. That kid seemed to be blonde, which Paul was. So I guess Paul's dead, but we still don't know what happened uh, to Michael at this point. As Sarah approaches her, her door to her apartment, creepy shit starts happening on the staircase. The lights go out, which is, I mean, fair, that's creepy. But she also gets scared of like the relief of a creepy face in the wall which must have been there since she moved in but now it's terrifying apparently as she gets to her door she hears whispers from inside and decides to run for it instead of going in which is again pretty smart uh, unfortunately there's like a weird cgi door face thing that happens after this which um it doesn't look good but she then leaves and she goes to marta's house i still don't trust marta uh, we meet a young lady who I thought was Marta's daughter until she kissed her on the lips and I realised it was probably her girlfriend. Uh, Marta then gives Sarah a little bit of a lowdown about magic. She says she needs to embrace her gifts in order to survive. And then she does this like weird chant and blows some powder off of a powder puff, which reveals spirits moving around in the air. Uh, and Sarah is able to duplicate this and for a moment summon an image of her mother who tells her that she's in danger and that she needs to learn how to fight. Unfortunately, this scene has a lot of dodgy acting in it. Um, the mum isn't terribly good at acting, and also I feel like her presence makes the main character worse at acting, because in any scene that they have together, like, her crying seems super fake and whiny. She, she's just, it's, it's not her best work, and at other times her acting does seem to be pretty solid and quite good. 
Um, but this this was quite ropey. Uh, Marta then says that she's going to take her to see somebody who's like a famous thinker tomorrow so that they can get some more knowledge on how she might use her powers to defeat the evil that's after her. We then get just a random cut of a lesbian sex scene, which I guess is a modern thing to include in a horror film. Um, and then Sarah wakes up from a nightmare to find that the monkey has climbed into the house on a rope, presumably through a skylight, um, and that a bald man has come with him. So she flees the apartment and from outside in a phone booth phones to try and warn Marta that someone is in the apartment, which I guess is a nice thing to do. But I mean, you could have just screamed while you were in the apartment. Surely that would have woken her up. But there you go. Uh, Marta's girlfriend then gets murdered with uh, having spikes driven into her eyes, which is insanely graphic and horrible. And after Sarah has managed to flee because her mum tells her there's no point sticking around, um, Marta is then stabbed between the legs with like a long lance, which then comes out of her mouth. Um, and then the mother of tears appears to eat her tears. Um, I had some issues with this because it kind of felt like she was being killed that way because she was a lesbian, but I'm going to let that go. And also, I guess I owe her an apology because it turns out she was just a nice lady who wanted to help Sarah and not evil in any way. But um, I was just suspicious and now she's dead. Sarah spends quite a while for, like fleeing in the streets, talking to the ghost of her mother. The effect of the ghost looks terrible and also the acting is awful on both of their parts so I was glad when that was over and she sees Michael in the streets and starts like chasing after him. She like grabs him and he seems very ill, he's coughing a lot and, and seems kind of gross looking so they go back to his apartment and on the way he says that he thinks Paul is dead but that he doesn't want to talk about it. I'm like okay bud. Like, you think your three-year-old son is dead, but, you know, you don't really want to talk about it right now. Something's not right here. And uh, this time I was actually right, because something isn't right here. Uh, they go to his house. Uh, he doesn't want to turn the lights on. Uh, and he also says that um, he's kind of cold. He's acting really weird. He started smoking, uh, and he's not letting her touch him. Uh, then she notices that he is bleeding through the scarf that he has wrapped around his neck. And um, when she like tries to take it off to see if he's wounded and he like struggles with her, underneath it you find that his throat has been slit and that he seems to be some sort of reanimated corpse, which again is a really cool idea. Uh, he says that she can't escape, that there is only one mother now and that they are all going to be ruled by her. And then she sets him on fire, which is pretty cool. Uh, she uses this like, uh, I guess, accelerant, which... Uh, she used earlier on the fireplace so she kind of sprays that all over him and then sets him on fire to his credit he does then chase her down the stairs while on fire so he was worth reanimating he, he's he's got a good work ethic about him but he does eventually die and uh then sarah decides to go and see gilmo who I, i'm not saying that right but that's who marta said that she was going to take her to see so that's where she's gonna go the next day she sees that the police have started circulating her picture on the news and so in a disguise of some sunglasses she heads to Guelmo's house. Uh, a young guy lets her in and she, she meets him. He's an old man in a wheelchair. He initially like sprays her in the face with some sort of um, paralytic drug so that he can check her eyes for little glowy bits that tell him who she is. This was a weird section of the movie, but after he's confirmed like that she is who she says she is, he tries to give her some advice. He reveals that he is an alchemist, 
much like the guy from Inferno, and this is kind of where we get some of the involvement of the Inferno plot. Sarah asks if there are other good witches out there like her mother who can help her, and he says that there basically aren't, so she's on her own. He then tells her about Varelli, who is the um, alchemist from Inferno, about the three houses that he built, um, and he gives her the Three Mothers book. He mentions Salentium, uh, which is in the voiceover of like Varelli's introduction. He says that he'll be punished for not keeping his Salentium. So then I started wondering if Michael was an alchemist because he knew about occult stuff he got told in that message to keep his salentium but this is neither confirmed nor denied i feel like that could have been an interesting twist but there we go the varelli voiceover is also american now and, and sounds kind of like shadow the hedgehog in that kind of like really intense american voice which i wasn't on board with and uh, was kind of funny uh, but the book does reveal a kind of riddle which is on the drawing of what the house that he built in rome looks like and the riddle is what you see does not exist what you cannot see is truth this riddle will be nearly completely unconnected from how they actually find the witch's lair so um that was disappointing now that she knows what the house looks like and has the riddle to like i guess find the secret entrance uh, she gets in a taxi and just drives around the city until she sees a gaggle of witches and then follows them to, to the house which she now knows that it is the correct one uh, she goes inside and it's basically an abandoned ruin the witches have completely disappeared somehow uh, she encounters an old homeless man who says he's lived there for 40 years like in the ruin uh, he seems to be a kind of guard dog for the witches because a bald guy then shows up to um try and catch her but she is quickly saved and, and pulled into a hiding place by the main policeman who is I not I have no idea how he got here to be honest. Maybe he followed her but he wasn't shown to but he's here now. To be honest this is kind of where the film started to fall apart a little bit. Both the old homeless guy and the bald guy go to warn the witches that someone is in the house but they disappear really suddenly as well as if they're a secret door. Uh, so basically Sarah and the policeman start looking for the secret door. She sees some of the same symbols that were on the box uh, on the wall pushes all of them in no particular order and then a secret door opens which is kind of like the lamest hidden entrance ever i was hoping it would be something involving like a mirror or something because it was like what you see is not the truth and uh but yeah but no it's just it's just a door in the wall the door leads to some catacombs under the city and the policeman quickly gets grabbed by the bald guy while sarah hides Sarah is then pursued by some witches, but she does her invisibility trick again, which you'd think they'd be able to see through, but they can't. So there you go. She then kind of follows the lights and sounds in the catacombs until she comes across what seems to be just a big room full of shock value. You've got like naked people making out, but covered in barbed wire. You've got someone who looks like they're kind of pulling an umbilical cord out of somebody and eating it. Um, there's a lot of grim, semi-orgiastic stuff there, which a lot of the violence in the film kind of felt like it should be there because people were going crazy with the influence of the witches, things were being turned on their heads, women were murdering their children, man was turning on man, you know, it was all getting very chaotic. This section just felt incredibly gratuitous and it like it didn't really need to be there, uh, but there we go. In a second room, she finds that the alchemist and his young carer or apprentice have been chained up on the wall and are being tortured and murdered. The mother then puts on the dress, uh, engaging full Winnie the Pooh mode, 
and uh, the policeman kills the bald guy who's trying to restrain him but then is subdued and chained up on the wall as well. Sarah is then discovered by the monkey who's just like the world's biggest fucking snitch uh, and then she is called to the side of the mother of tears. From this point onwards I was not convinced. Um, I kind of felt like I'd been watching the film I was really interested in what was going to happen. There was enough plot there for it to be a lot more entertaining to watch than the first two, less of the kind of artsy bullshit and synth music, and more of an actual story. Unfortunately, the end was pretty much a paint by numbers of the endings of both Suspiria and Inferno. So I found it incredibly disappointing, and it's probably one of the reasons that I didn't really like the film that much after I finished watching it. So Sarah is called over to the Mother of Tears. The Mother of Tears then seemingly just forgets that Sarah is there, turns to the crowd assembled before them, and in a very poorly acted way, just starts shouting, Nothing can stop us now! Nothing can stop us! And then Sarah, who I guess doesn't like being ignored, picks up a spear, literally uses it to rip the entire dress slash Winnie the Pooh crop top off of the Mother of Tears, and in one move, flings it into a brazier where it catches fire and I'm sure you can all tell where this is going the dress burns everyone screams the building starts coming down around them to killing witches left and right also the monkey gets flattened by a giant chunk of stone and I was so happy like Inferno I was really sad for the cats but fuck that monkey seriously the mother of tears is killed by a falling like stone spike from outside Sarah kind of falls into what looks to be a sewer full of dead bodies where she thrashes around for like an uncomfortably long amount of time and then gets rescued by the policeman the two of them then climb up through a crack into like the, the courtyard outside the house and they emerge into the sunlight looking a lot less covered in sewage than they were a minute ago and then the two of them just laugh not like in a kind of hp lovecraft my mind is becoming undone by the horrors that i have seen type way but more in a kind of i've just won a slightly exhilarating water fight with someone who i have sexual interest in this is kind of like flirty giggling and then the movie ends which is really disappointing i was kind of happy with the film when it started out i was kind of enjoying the lore the way it tied back into the other films even though there was still a sense that stuff had just been made up in each succeeding film and they were working really hard to try and tie some of it together the the gore and the um special effects like the practical effects of that were really good uh, so that was kind of a point in its favor the acting wasn't terrible and it had taken out a lot of that kind of supposedly tense synth music scenes which i just found quite boring especially in inferno unfortunately from a kind of promising start of having a plot of having answers to the questions raised with the first two films it seemed like they just didn't know how to end it and so fell back on the old standby of house fall down on which because i guess this guy really loved the wizard of oz or something it was really odd i really wish that we'd known a little bit more about the mother of tears because she was literally just a sexy cackling woman with her ass hanging out and we never really got any scenes with her talking just like we didn't really with the other two mothers in preceding films they just appear at the end about 20 seconds before they get murdered and we don't really get any time with them to understand their motives or, or their plans at the heart of it i think there is a lot of subject matter here that you could do something really interesting with um that, that you could really build on in terms of a story this idea of, of the witches like what happened to the mothers to end the first age of witches 
and did they have like an overarching plan to, to have the second age? What about that involved dance? I have so many questions. And to that end, I have ordered uh, the remake of Suspiria from 2018, I believe, and that will be here soon. So um, we're going to do it all again. We're going to watch the first movie, but new and different and with Tilda Swinton. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, And in the meantime, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this this trilogy. If you've watched them, if you love them, which one was your favourite? Get in touch on Twitter or by email. Check the description box for all that information. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!